0: This is Coast and County Radio's Extra Time podcast in association with Scarborough College and powered by Grundon Graphics. 97.4 FM, through the vales, across the moors and along the coast. Extra Time, sporting reviews and opinions from those in the know. Yes, welcome to the latest episode of the Coast and County Radio Extra Time podcast with me, Andrew Snaith. And I'm very pleased to say that my guest for episode three is the former Middlesbrough and Cardiff City striker and Whitby Town forward as well, Andy Campbell. How are you doing, Andy?
1: Good evening, Andrew. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate.
0: Good to hear it. Uh, We've got a few questions. I'm going to kick off with those questions, actually. So uh, first of all, uh, Steve Adamson's been in touch. Um, now, uh, Steve's a Scarborough fan, and he's seen uh, your brother Neil in action plenty of times for the Sea Dogs. Um, and it's probably quite a difficult question. He says, "Be honest, Andy. Who was the better player, you or your brother Neil?"
1: <laughs> um, I've had this question quite a lot. You know, it's uh, it's it's listen, it's a tricky one. Um, I've never been uh, a boasty type of person, and, and, and about my attributes, I would have loved to have my brother's attributes. Being big and strong, he he did the things that I hated to do, but obviously I had the pace and, and the things that I enjoyed doing, um, you know what I mean? So if you put both of us together, you'd have a, a more of a, a rounded, perfect type of type of footballer. But um, I love watching my brother, you know what I mean? I, I play with him to this day, I play with him over 40, so it's great. But uh, I'll, um, I'll say me, because I'm confident in my own ability, but I, he was a very good footballer. and still is.
0: I was going to say, was it his influence that, that, that led you to play uh, more as a forward? Were you sort of competing with him uh, all the way through?
1: Yeah, listen, I, he he was he was a little bit like my vision because I knew exactly what to expect from him being a couple of years older. So, you know what I mean? I knew exactly what it was like to be a, a YTS. I knew what it was like to be a professional footballer. I knew what it was like to make a debut. Um, so it was all, my pathway was, was visioned out through my brother, which was great and um, you know what I mean? He was, he was like my guinea pig, for example. So I could, I could pick the good things, what was happening to him and the bad things and, and make sure that it didn't happen to me. So it was, it was really important for my my progression, really, in my, in my journey in football.
0: Fantastic. Um, and uh, Richard's been in touch as well. And this is probably only a question that I can get away with, Andy. Um. Now oh, he said, uh, "Does the red hair scare opposition defenders?" Obviously, this is this is something that I I know about as well. Um, we yeah. have a bit of a reputation as redheads as being fiery individuals. So do you, do you think they yeah. expect a little bit of a, a bit of fire and a bit of uh, a bit of anger?
1: Yeah, totally. And I think it's I think it's good. I think that reputation. Um, is 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 a good reputation because they know that you I I call it probably a never say die attitude for me. You know what I mean that that if I didn't get my way um in in any wake of life um on the football field it was it was great because I could cross that white line and just run around and, and be a nuisance and uh, and use that um that stereotype as as something just to never give up and keep on going keep on going keep on going and I think that was really important for me. Um, and and that kind of uh, reputation seemed to follow me through because it was, uh, it's a good attribute to have. I think you know what I mean. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just a bit gutted now that I've lost my hair because it, people think that I'm bald now instead of having that that fiery temper and and, and, and like fiery attitude, so to speak.
0: <laughs> I was going to say if you look actually I've never sort of sat down and thought about it but you've got the likes of Paul Scholes, Nicky Butter, former Manchester United players with red hair and they were obviously fiery yeah. individuals as well um, so yeah. maybe there's something in it who knows um yep. I'll uh, just just go back to the early time in your career Andy so you you mentioned that that your brother a couple of years older he'd gone through the system um what when um tell us a little bit about uh about your development then as uh as a young player um being picked up by Middlesbrough uh
1: well long story short my me uh my mum was uh was at home, my dad worked away, and my mum took us down to Martin junior's at the time, just to get us out of hair a little bit and give us something to aim for and, and my brother went there to join a team and there wasn't a team at the minute developed for me to to go there, so it was um I just went there or, instead of kicking the ball against a garage, I went there just to just to train and 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 got just picked up by them and the coaches were were happy for me to join in training, but I wasn't allowed to play any games and and when there was a team formed a year down the line, I played a year above myself just just to get just to get some opportunity and some and some training in my belt. And, um, and then when my own team was developed a year later, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Loved the banter with the lads, loved the, the competitiveness, um, loved winning games, loved scoring goals um, and loved playing on a platform, um, uh, which obviously scouts came to watch. Obviously, Ron Bourne and, um, and Keith Noble um, obviously came to watch me quite regularly um, and scoured me going forward and, I just, I just love that, um, that team ethic and, and and playing as a team, and it, it put me in good stead, Andrew, moving forward about with signing for Middlesbrough because once I found out that Middlesbrough were um, interested, there was no looking back for me because it was my hometown club and it was always a dream to go and want to play for them.
0: And how old were you at that point then, Andy, when when Middlesbrough signed you up?
1: Um, I signed, I signed schoolboy forms at Middlesbrough. So when I when I turned fourteen, I signed a two year deal. So I was I was tied in until I left school and and then they needed to make a decision um, if they were going to keep me on at YTS, and uh, thankfully they did, but um, a lot of lads at 14 signed uh, longer than two years. Some of them signed three, some of them signed five, and um, I signed two, uh, only because that was all I got offered. I was, I was quite happy and quite privileged to sign the two, um, and I knew I had hard work to, to progress on and, and earn that deal at 16, because obviously when you leave school and, you, and you're out of contract, so to speak, you're just another number, and... I really wanted it. And, and when I finally got offered a, a two-year contract at 16 hours, I was, I was absolutely delighted.
0: I was going to say, no doubt you, your family and your friends were buzzing as well. Can you can you remember when, when you know, the moment your parents found out, the moment you, the rest of your family and friends also found out you were, you were going to be a Middlesbrough player?
1: Yeah, well, uh, obviously Ron Bourne um, a Middlesbrough Football Club did things good and proper. Um, they rang my parents um, and I invited my mum and dad, and my mum and dad in, and um, and and spoke to them first before they spoke to me, and they offered them the contract before they offered it to me, and I made sure it was right for them, you know, because obviously family matters, you know, it's it's not it's not it's not a, a, a call just for me, it, was, it needed to be right for my family who who had my best interest at heart, and and, and when my mum and dad were happy with what was what was being said, they, they called me in to say it was coming to me, and I, I, listen, I was just starstruck, I was I was in, I was just. Didn't know what to say. I was uh, I was gobsmacked, and and you know what I mean. My dad just gave me a pen, and I just signed it. And you know what I mean. It was a it was a YTS bomb, sort of speaking. You know what I mean. I thirty seven pound fifty for my first year, and forty two pound fifty for my second year. So it was it was all about football. It wasn't about finance. It wasn't thinking about the the bigger picture. I just wanted to play for a football club and see where that that progress or progression could be made. And and thankfully, it was uh, it was pretty quickly.
0: Fantastic. And uh, was that the Brian Robson era at that point, Andy? Mid nineties.
1: Yeah, he took over, um, obviously, uh, he took over the season before that I joined, so I, I was a schoolboy at 15, uh, he took over the last season at Ayrson Park and uh, and obviously everything was, was going through, the new stadium was going through, they were looking at a training ground, obviously the, the new ground had been named, the Riverside Stadium at Luton, Luton Town game, last game at Ayrson Park and I was just so excited because obviously I'm joining a club, at the time it was a championship club, or a league one club, they're going into the Premier League and it was just so much of a, an unbelievable time we were bringing in these uh, million pound players and, and new signings, international stars so it was um, it was a really good time and and uh, I did you didn't think at the time about not playing you know I mean I'm not I'm not making progression because they're bringing all these good players good players in but for me able to train with them learn from them um, and then progress on as a player as you as you, as you get older
0: can you remember that first time training with the first team and and seeing people presumably like your Ravenelli's and your your Brancas and your Emersons?
1: Yeah, well, I was a Middlesbrough fan, so you know, what I mean, it was it was quite nerve wracking for me. Yeah. you know, what I mean, I was I was brought up on the Bernie Clavins and the Gary Pallisters and the John Hendries and and all these guys. So these guys were my hero heroes. You know, what I, mean? I, I I dreamed about playing with these, training with these guys and. When I got the opportunity to do it with those guys, it was absolutely brilliant. And then, like you say, the, the Nick Barnbys came in, the Jan Fiotos came in, the Ravinelli came in, the Giannini, the the Boxics, the Festers. And to be honest, it was it was just a real time. It was like a dream and um to be a young lad training uh, by earning the right because of my ability, doing the opportunity to play with these kind of guys was was absolutely brilliant because they're just normal people and I think football fans don't always see these people as normal people. they, they, they think that there's something something different or special, but they're, they are just normal guys and they want the best for people who are in and around them and I think quite quickly, I realized that, that they want me to become better to help them become better and and, uh, and, and, and help the team. and that's all it was that they, they, they weren't hard. I me. Mean, they gave me so many opportunities and were so much advice and it was uh, it was a great time for me.
0: Can you remember uh, the time when you, you you presumably you started out feeling a little bit starstruck, as you say, um kind of almost pinching yourself. Can you remember the time when you first started to feel like you really truly belonged amongst those players?
1: Um, I, I probably born of, I probably honestly didn't feel like that, mate, until um probably my second my second season in when I when I when I probably got into the first team and, and earned my right to play in the Premier League. And um sometimes I just thought I was a bit part of player, but probably Probably when I got to nineteen years old, you know what I mean? So it's three years worth of training and, and, and playing games with these kind of fellas that you that you that you realise that Do you know what, I deserve to be here. I'm here because of my ability, because of my performances and, and I'm picked on merit. You know what I mean? I'm not here now just because I'm a young lad making the numbers up and um and when you deserve to be there and you feel as though you deserve to be there, then it's just a natural thing that you go there, it's just a normal day's training, you're not starstruck star anymore. Yes, big players are coming in and going. Um, but you deserve to be there because you've uh, because you've deserved it through merit and performance alone.
0: And uh, can you remember your your, your debut and the moment when you you found out you would be making your debut? Yeah, uh,
1: you know, well, Brian Robson had this. Um, I'd call it. A, uh, I'd call it a skill and a tactic. You know, I mean, he made the young lads feel wanted. We travelled with the first team. One one of us um, for home games and away games. We did all our, all the jobs. We cleaned boots. We put kit out with our, with Alex Smith, the kit man. Um, I'd already done it that season um, and I was asked to do it again at home to Shepherd Wednesday on Good Friday. Um, so I, uh, I I set the kit up on the afternoon with the kit man. I uh, did a few other jobs. I kept myself busy. I went upstairs to have pre-match with the players because I'd been working most of the morning and afternoon. Um, and the manager named his team, uh, which was the best team that we had at the time. Uh, he named his subs and, and named me on the bench. And I was a little bit like... Has he, just, has he just said my name? So, I, I, obviously, I was sat next to John Pickering at the time, God rest his soul, and John was very close to me. He was, it's just, he was first team coaching. Um, John put his, his hand around my, around my shoulder and just said, this is, this is an opportunity that you've deserved, and, uh, and you'll get on today, you'll make a Premier League debut, you're only 16, but you deserve to be here and, and just take it with both hands. He said, and obviously, getting changed and warming up and um, doing the game. Uh, warming up at the sideline and, and, and then the gaffer telling me to go on to get ready you're coming on I think it was about six, seven, eight minutes to go on it was just a just a whirlwind I remember just saying to myself just don't let anybody down my mum and dad and all my friends and my family are there and I just wanted to just give myself a bit of justice and I had a really good eight minutes I didn't give the ball away I made some decent runs I, I thought I I engaged the game really well and and given everything that I had, and uh, I obviously impressed quite a lot of people along the way. And then in, in just that small, short space of time to make my full debut a couple of weeks later, so I was I was absolutely amazed. And straight after the game, brought brought back down to worth, cleaning boots and doing jobs, and um, and leaving the leaving the, the ground at like eleven o'clock after making sure the, the changing rooms tidy. But I, I wouldn't have changed it for the world because straight after making a Premier League debut to get brought back down to earth was uh, was probably what made the the night even more special for me.
0: Where, who were you playing against, by the way, Andy?
1: We played Sheffield Wednesday. It was a good Friday. We beat them 3-1. Um, Chris Freestone made his debut as well. He was obviously a very good friend of mine and still is to this day. And he scored. I came on for him. And it, was, it was just an absolute dream. absolute dream.
0: Fantastic. And, and you mentioned the full debut. Uh, wasn't far behind. Who was that against? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, we played, uh, we played Liverpool a couple of weeks later on. Um, obviously, at Anfield. Um, the manager uh put me in the squad which was great. Uh I, I shared a room with Jan Fyortov. Um obviously what I didn't know is the manager had uh, had rung my mum and dad on the Friday night and told them that I was starting. So uh, my mum and dad didn't tell me they kept it kept it a secret so he rung them at home and told them to to get to Liverpool on Saturday and there was tickets tickets for them um at the at, at the gate and, and he was looking after everything and, and, and just to keep it a secret from me, just to keep the pressure off me. And um we got to Anfield um and I looked at the I looked at the shirts, and as I walked in, and, and mine was 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 quite close. Normally, it was it, with all the subs, um, and I, I I sat there, and the manager's named his team and named me in the starting eleven, and I was just absolutely just couldn't believe it. And, um, but what we didn't realise is at the time that I didn't have a shirt with my name on the back, um, so the manager obviously had to get special dispensation for me to play um, without a name on back. So I just had, had a blank shirt, which which made it even special for me. I've still got that shirt to this day, but to make your debut at Anfield. In front of the cup uh, against Liverpool with all their stars, it was even Rush's last game as well, which which made it great. We did the guard of honor for him. I've I've, I've still got the video, the the, the the VHS video record of the game, which is which is even more special because Sky give me the um give me the give me the video, which is which is something that yeah I can watch it anytime I want, and it just makes it even more special.
0: Fantastic. Um, and uh, were you playing alongside uh off up front, and was he his strike partner?
1: Um, not on that day, no. Obviously, I shared a room with him, which was which was great, and it was a little bit awkward because I took his place for that game. He was he was talking about how how much he was looking forward to it. But obviously, when the manager named his team, and he named the reasons why that he wanted to give me an opportunity, and was resting Jan for, um later on in the season. You know, I me mean? he he took it. He he was great with me before the game. He calmed my nerves. He helped me um, during the warm up. Uh, and at least I think I played seventy seventy one minutes and thoroughly enjoyed every one of those minutes. And uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. Neil Ruddock marked me. Very tightly, he was. He was horrible. He was. Uh, he, I think I grew into a man very, very quickly during that game, which, uh, which, which I think stood me in good stead for the rest, of, rest of my career because I, I always believed um, that you're always protected in football. You know, what I mean, you, however horrible you think players are, and you, and you see how the size of people, but it's just a game. It's a game. You're protected by referees, and you know, what I mean, he did everything to me in that in that 70 minutes, which uh, which made me grew up very, very quickly.
0: Tell us about some of the tactics he used then, Andy. What was he doing?
1: Um, he pushed me to the ground. He kept me there. He he, 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 he dragged me down. He, he he gave me a few digs. He was kicking me off the ball. He did everything to try and put me off my game, which was, which was probably something that I didn't expect um, from a Premier League footballer. Um, you know, I may mean, probably expect that in the reserves or the youth team or something. But then when... Um, when I went in after the game, and and he, he came in our changing room and he shook my hand and 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 just said that that was one of the hardest games he's had all season. I just I I, I just felt so much so much pride in 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 what I'd done. And he didn't have to do that, you know. What I mean, he he came in and he was very um he was very very nice about what he was saying and it just gave me so much confidence to to kick on. It was just I was just more disappointed that it was coming towards the end of the season and. I, I just wanted to carry on playing because at that age, you don't feel tired. You don't feel fatigued. You just want to carry on playing and playing and playing. But um, it just made me more hungry to uh, to play in front of a crowd and get back to Anfield again and do it again and again.
0: Fantastic. I was going to say, Neil Ruddock does a little bit like yourself. He does quite a few podcasts and things. Have you had the chance to speak to him since?
1: Uh, I have spoken to him since, but not on the podcast, yet, yeah, and, and just, uh, he, he said that he, he remembers the game, um, if he does or he doesn't, you know what I mean? But I uh, listen uh. All I, can, all I can say is he was, he was a tough opponent of mine, probably one of the, the most difficult I've had uh, throughout my career because of, because of he's a winner <laughs> and, and and that's all, you know what I mean, I think looking back, I, I don't think I probably thought it was going to be that tough, I think I thought I was going to be able to play my normal game but these kind of world-class players, because was a Premier League international at the time, um, these these type of professionals are there to put you off your game and make sure that you don't get any, any change out of the game or score goals. And, he did that. He made it difficult for me. And, uh, and, but as it, it, like I say, it made me so aware of what was ahead of me in my career, which was probably the most important um, uh, learning curve I got very early on in my life.
0: Now, the big game that I remember, Andy, that uh, you had a starring role in was the FA Cup clash against Manchester United, which I'm sure is indelibly edged in, etched into your head as well. Um, yeah. Just tell us about that game.
1: Well, uh, well, it's more special for me because it was my last uh it's my last game in goal for Middlesbrough. Uh it was so special for me. Um in terms of the FA Cup's been so special for me throughout my career. Um I love it. I I have as a kid watching the FA Cup finals and watching the 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 the, the whole day of Satan Greavesy and all that So the FA Cup's always been so special to but be able to, to play against United at the Riverside. It was a twelve o'clock kickoff, it was an early one. Um they had a a World class side out, get the, the Fabian Vartes, the Lauren Blancs, and um, I was sub. Steve McLaren stuck me on, um, got yeah, nil nil. Um, I didn't have a part to play in the first goal scored by Noel Whelan, but Dean Windass, um, was down the right hand side, he crossed the ball in, and I just found myself free in this in the 18 yard box. And I managed to get a head on the way, headed it down. And I wasn't renowned for my headed, as you well know, mate, from my time of whippy, but I uh, I managed to head it down. And, and get it past Bartes and just the celebration the noise and it was just it was absolutely fantastic and, um if I could pick the moment to finish my career at Middlesbrough I couldn't have picked a better m- moment or or something to treasure because it was it was fantastic you know what I mean the Man United team is a brilliant team at the time they just won the treble and they were going off to Brazil to play in the, in the World Club Championship that's why we played them a little bit earlier through the day and it, to beat them is brilliant as well and to, to play my part but um, the moments like that just stick with you because they're, they're always remembered by everybody every Man United fan I speak to hates my guts because of the goals I scored against Man United throughout my career and, and that one alone everyone everyone remembers which is great because it's uh, it, it standing good stead for me but yeah the Man United fans aren't too keen on uh, on my name of <laughs> Um,
0: and uh, I guess a bit bittersweet Andy it was obviously uh, a great moment there but as you said you were leaving your hometown club just tell us about yeah. what happened next
1: um, listen, uh, 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 my time at Middlesbrough was uh, was different. Once Brian Robson decided to leave, and he, he lost his job, and, and Steve McLaren came in. He brought his own strikers in. He brought Macaroni in. He brought Nemeth in. He brought Malcolm Christie in. He brought Michael Ricketson, and just those four players alone, my, my time was going to be numbered on the pitch. Um I needed to play. I was getting at an age where I'd sampled playing for England under twenty ones. I'd played in the Premier League. I, I'd, uh, I'd been down to Crystal Palace. I'd agreed terms. I failed the medical, so I, I'd had an operation. I got myself fit. I needed to move on. Uh, it was just good timing. Uh, Lenny Longch was uh, was a manager at Cardiff. I knew a couple of the players. Uh, they had a a plan on getting to back to the Premier League. They were in the League One at the time, but they had a plan to get the Premier League, which I bought into and um, and thoroughly really enjoyed. And decided the the move was a correct one for me at the time, and, uh, and and didn't regret a thing. But I was disappointed and got you to leave because obviously a middlesbrough boy i love the club still do always have done but uh, it was time for me to move on to go and play some football and, and and make a make a name for myself somewhere else
0: yeah big step over to wales then with cardiff city who were then third tier uh, did you have to move over to wales as well
1: yeah it was uh, that was probably the hardest thing uh, leaving leaving the family uh, finding out one day that you, that you're leaving and and travelling down that day and, and never really coming back. It was uh, it was difficult. That was probably the hardest thing as a as a young person. And um, uh, but once you get training and you and you, you you buy into what what the club's doing and the game starts, it's, it's just like being from home from home. The the standard of training was very good because we had international players there. We had Welsh international, Scottish international, Irish international. So um standard was very good. Um I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but yeah, the hardest thing was probably moving. And, um, it was a long way from home. Every time I did decide to come back and see the family and friends, and it was a, it was a long old drive, so I didn't uh, tend to do it very often.
0: I was going to say, and obviously you uh, are very popular with the Cardiff fans because of what was achieved during your time there. Just tell us a little bit more about your career at, at Cardiff City.
1: Yeah, well, I started really, really well. Um, uh, I scored something like five goals in my first uh, three games, or six goals in my first three games. It was, I scored one in my debut, uh, which is away at Northampton. I scored two in my first home game against Blackpool and I scored three in my in my next away game at Oldham and it was, uh, I just hit, hit the ground running. I just loved being back on the pitch. I had a, a new elite of life. I was confident in my ability. Um, loved the way that the, that the club was being run at the time with the manager and, and things that he played to my strength. So, really enjoyed it. Obviously, um, the following season didn't go to plan in terms of playing as many games as I did because Robert Earnshaw, who was a, a fabulous um, centre-forward, played in a game which I didn't play. I was being rested in a cup game at Boston. He scored a hat-trick, kept his place, and (laughs) subsequently scored something like 37 goals that season. So I I had no qualms in sitting on the bench that season uh, behind him. But my season ended um, the best possible way because I scored the winner in the playoff final against QPR in the Millennium Stadium in the 114th minute to win win Cardiff promotion to the Championship, which was just something which I've uh, I've always dreamed of um, playing in the national stadium and um at that kind of level and, and full house live on Sky and to be the match winner was just something that I'd never really dreamed of and um super proud moment from my family and something that no one can ever take away and um I probably I probably overstayed my welcome at Cardiff a little bit, um probably a season too long. I just I I just felt as though I wanted to give the fans something back of after how how good they were with me, but uh, so I said I've, I've got no regrets. You know what I mean. I, I just, I just that's probably one thing that looking back in my career, I probably should have moved on a little bit earlier when things were evolving. Uh, but I love the club that much, I wanted to stay.
0: Um, and where next after Cardiff City?
1: Um, I went to another country. I went uh, I went from Wales over to Scotland. Um, I signed for Dunfermline um, for a season, which uh, which. Uh, I was I was really looking forward to so I'd, I'd had an opportunity to go to Holland, which um, I, I, it wasn't right for the family. Um, I had a young 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 baby at the time, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't something which uh, which was going to be a good for a, good for the good for a young family. So I went to Scotland, which was which is absolutely brilliant. Played against Celtic, played against Rangers. We 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 uh, we stayed up. Um, we played in a, in a Scottish Cup final in my final game at Dunfermline at Hampden Park against Celtic, which we unfortunately we, we lost three 0 but. I say it's no disgrace with the, with the players that they had, with the Roy Keynes and the John Hartsons and the Chris Suttons and the Petrovs, etc. So you know, I mean, really enjoyed my time in uh, living in Edinburgh, and um, the lifestyle, the football. It was uh, it was really enjoyable. Um, but uh, but I, I was starting to get a little bit homesick. I did want to try and uh, try and base myself a little bit towards the north. Um, like I say, my my young family was starting to dictate in a way that that. I, I, I never really imagined having a family. I never realised how difficult it was that, um, that my daughter had never met grandparents um, for a long period of time and stuff. And I had family members who wanted to, wanted to probably touch base with them and I wanted to probably base myself in an area. So we decided to come back up north after that. But once we contracted, uh, I'd run out of Dunfermline and, um, and it was time to, to look and see what was available.
0: Yeah, and uh, your next destination after Dunfermline?
1: It was Halifax Town. Um, Chrissy Wilder got in touch. he uh, had just taken over um, the season before. Uh, they the, the got beat in the playoff final, I believe. So uh, I signed for Chris Wilder at Halifax Town and uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, I just found a, I found a new home. Um, uh, he was a, an amazing person, great with me. Uh, we had some fun on the pitch. We had some some amazing times off it, uh, which was great. Uh, my lifestyle was was was. I was just starting to, starting to really enjoy everything. What was what was back involved again. I'd, I'd got my passion back a little bit, and uh, unfortunately for me, I picked up a really serious injury uh, with a knee injury. Missed probably six months in the season. Um, got myself fit during the summer, um, in really good shape again, and and told the manager that I was I was happy to come back. I was happy to fight for my place and, and give it another go, which was which is great. But uh, Unfortunately, again, I picked up a a more serious injury, uh, which was an Achilles injury this time, and it it uh, it more or less finished me full time. Unfortunately, um, I came back towards the end of the season, played a few games, and um, and then Halifax Town, unfortunately, went uh, went bankrupt and went bust, and um, I was gutted because I'd made lot of friends and 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 knew a lot of a lot of the fans, and I knew a lot of the good people over there. But I think for me personally, it was probably a it was probably a good thing because I knew football-wise, I was I was really struggling. So you know, what I mean, I think you know, what I mean, personally and professionally, it was probably good. But I think for the football club and the people that I met, was it was a really it was a really tough time. But I think for me, I, I just knew something wasn't right. I was waking up on the morning, I was struggling to to get myself going uh, physically. Um, I was taking hours to warm up by the time and getting back in the car and driving back. It was it was a really struggle. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I was I was starting to think what was. What was next after after leaving there? Really?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm guessing it was uh, um, quite a big upheaval going from uh, from professional to semi-professional.
1: It, it was, yeah. I I didn't want to. I didn't want to just retire and just and just and just stop playing because um, I was told by a by a specialist that um, I was going to put too much strain on my body and on my on my Achilles in particular if I carried on training every day. So with those words ringing in my ear, I thought, well. I can't do that every day. Then surely I can do it once or twice a week. And I spoke to a couple of professional clubs, and they weren't willing willing to, to take a risk and, in in that and just playing games. Because and to be fair, I wasn't comfortable in it as well. So when there was an opportunity to go to uh, uh, Bradford Park Avenue, Varsity Celtic, um, John DC, it was who took me to both, and uh, it, it was it was easy because the the football was was fine because I could I could base my week around. Preparing for a game, so if I if I trained, then that was fine. But if I didn't train, it's all right because I knew I was I was I was gearing up for a game on a Tuesday or a game on a Saturday. And, um, it, in the end, I, I I left those those clubs because of travel because of travel. I was based in Middlesbrough. Um, I was travel up to Bradford two or three times a week and Leeds two or three times a week, and it was just absolutely killing me. And I was um, I was just getting a little bit sick. And it was uh, it was only then until uh, the legend of a man Harry Dunn uh, rang me up and asked me to come to Whippy town and. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's on my doorstep, but there was obviously a um, a car school full of players who who, who I knew anyway. Uh, so to to share with those guys and and to not have to drive to drive myself every single training session, my two training middle or anywhere, but every single game was it just made it a no-brainer decision and, and and wanted to continue my 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 football career as a semi-professional footballer closer to home.
0: Indeed, uh, as you say, there's always been a, a lot of players from Teesside travelling down to Whitby Town, uh, and you you knew some of these lads anyway. So, um, how how did you know them first of all, and just just give us a flavour of of some of those names?
1: Well, obviously, I'm I'm a lot older, well, not I wouldn't say a lot older, but I am uh, I am a little bit older than uh, than the guys obviously that that I played with, obviously the Dave McTienans, uh the Kev Burgesses. So you know, what I mean, to, to 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 come with those guys. Um, it was easy. they they younger players. They didn't have obviously the longer professional careers. But I knew those guys from my, from a time at Middlesbrough that um obviously Kev was a, a young Middlesbrough player, obviously didn't make it the way that he wanted to. And same was same with Macker as well. That those kind of players were excellent players and, and Leon Scott as well. That those kind of lads were, were wanting to be professional footballers, but it didn't work out for them so they had to progress their football careers down the down the part-time route, which was very successful for all three of them because they've all had um They've all had amazing, and still are, by the way, all, all have and are having still amazing football careers for as long as they can do it.
0: Fantastic stuff. And uh, thank you to Torbay Express uh, for uh, sponsoring uh, this podcast, by the way. Uh, so, so, Andy, uh, signing for Whitby Town, as you said, the legendary Harry Dunn, um, arguably the most successful ever uh, Whitby Town manager. Uh, so how did it all come about then? Did Harry just ring you out of the blue?
1: Yeah, he, he just ran me out of the blue. He, he, he obviously a mobile phone rang. It was it was Harry, and just said, uh, "Just just talk football." We talked football for about about forty five minutes about um, about my expectations and what I wanted to do in the future, and uh, you know, what I mean, we talked about coaching, we talked about future management, um, you know, what I mean, and it was it was always a really easy easy bloke to talk to, and um, uh, and at the end of the conversation, he just came out with it and just said, uh, "Said, how would you fancy coming down?" I just said, "I was," and I, and I'll be honest, I I, I said to him. Uh, i was hoping that that this this question was going to be asked 45 minutes ago harry and martin in all honesty because this is something that that once the conversation started i wanted it to happen because the traveling was starting to be a bit tedious for me um, driving to bradford it was uh, it was a long way three times a week and obviously i knew a couple of the players and uh, and i just wanted to help the football club try and achieve some success and uh, and once the the conversation was had the deal was was done the next the next morning, and um, and 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 I was uh, and I was gearing up to uh, to meet the players and, uh, and start my Whitby Town career.
0: And just your first impressions at Whitby Andy, was it what you expected?
1: Um, yeah, pretty, of course. Yeah, I think uh, probably probably bad I think the standard of, of players was uh, was better. Um, you know, I think Harry's Harry's Harry. You know what I mean for people who. Who don't know Harry? He was uh, an excellent man of management. Very quiet in terms of uh, a man of none, not a shouter. Um, but you know, he I mean, got his point across. Uh, you know, he I mean, didn't do a lot of the coaching, but you knew exactly what you were getting. And he was—I was proud to play for him because he was such a nice guy, and you didn't want to let him down. And uh, and he had so much success in his career um, because of that reason. Because he was such a nice bloke, and everyone wanted to run through a big wall for him.
0: Who was the uh, who was the main coach at that time, Andy?
1: Uh, we had Bobby Scaife, didn't we? Doing uh, doing a lot of the coaching. Bobby did a lot of the coaching uh, at the time, which which wasn't probably coaching as in what I've been used to. Um, you know, what I mean, it was a lot of keep ball drills and, and, and just games and just getting fit. But as I said preseason was very hard because both of them had the had the all school mentality of just just run run run, which is which is fine. You know, what I mean? you've got to get fit somehow. Um, you know, what I mean, normally the sports science guys. and it's probably tapered down, and you've got longer time to do. But when you're only training once or twice a week, you've got to got to get the miles in. and You've got to do it. Um, and so, I'd probably say it was probably one of my hardest pre seasons with those two guys, but but uh, enjoyable at the same time. And when the game started, it was it was great. And uh, as I said, those those two guys together had a uh, had a good relationship because it was like good cop, bad cop. Uh, Harry was one of the nicest blokes I think I've ever met in football, and and Bobby was uh, Bobby was very hard and very tough, but likable at the same time.
0: Now, I, I have a memory, and I don't know whether you'll remember this, Andy, and I, I might have got this wrong, but I seem to remember you scoring quite an unusual goal uh, down at, I think it was Stafford Rangers, where the opposition goalkeeper got a little bit confused and sort of passed it straight to you. There was definitely some element of farce in, in, in one of your goals there, Andy. Is any of that, yeah, well, uh, that it familiar? Yeah,
1: well, I remember I remember the game because I'm sure Tommy Cassidy was manager um, and I, I'm sure we drew the game about 4 all and, and, yes. uh, yeah, I think it was something, something on, the, on the lines of the goalkeeper put the ball down. Um, it, I think he thought somebody had blew the whistle. And, um, and I, I, I turned around to make sure that the referee and, I, and, and the referee had his arms in the air to say play on. So I just, I just put the ball in my net thinking, well, the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to get a yellow card. And that's the worst case scenario. And maybe I might not because I might get away with it. And then the referee gives the goal. And I just remember the bit of a bit of a melee. You know I mean? I don't remember their manager having to go at me. It was Kevin Street at the time, um, ex-crew player. And I was thinking, what have I done wrong here? Because the goalkeeper's just put the ball on the floor. And I've just put it in the net thinking, you know, I I, I don't know why he put it on the floor. I don't, as I say, you know what I mean? There was was a whistle. I heard a whistle, but it was obviously from the crowd from somewhere else. But, you know what I mean? It it just, for me, it was one of those moments which, uh, because I remember that, I I remember the the goal, not as much as I remember the the, the bollocking from Tommy Cassidy at the end of the game. So, obviously, I think we let a a 4-1 lead or or a, Probably a foot I think a four-nil lead slip, uh, which wasn't great. But uh, but no, enjoyable times and uh, I, I scored some very good goals, very strange goals sometimes. uh for Whitby Town, so it was uh, it was always a nice time. Just love scoring goals. Goals were the most enjoyable part.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, and there's, there's always uh, been a, a big following uh, for Middlesbrough as well amongst the Whitby supporters, as you'd expect. Um, with yeah. them being relatively close together, I presume you 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 felt pretty popular amongst the, the Whitby support because of of what you'd done at, at Middlesbrough previously.
1: Yeah, well, listen, the, the, the football supporters they expect players to run around, uh, they expect players to try their best, and and there's no no more passionate football supporters than the Whitby Town supporters than Borough fans. That when when they score a goal, and it was uh, it was great because you can get really up close and personal with 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 fans at, at non-league when. Um, when you score a goal, you know what I mean, because you can go into the crowd, you can you can you know you can you can hug them, you can get really up close. And and as I say, when uh, when the Whitby fans travel to away games and they came on the bus with us, for me that's something that you can give back to them because they've 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 spent their full day and their their hard earned money wages um, watching us play football. So for me, it was the least we could do is, uh, is celebrate with them once we uh, once we score goals.
0: Fantastic. You say you played under Harry Dunn, You played under under Tommy Casti. Were you still there when Darren Williams arrived, Andy?
1: No. Well, I'd um, I'd been offered the the job at Norton uh, in and Ancients then. So um, obviously I spoke to Darren about um, and Spenner about the potential of going in with Daz um, as manager. But obviously Daz ended up going in with uh, with Cammy, Um and obviously the rest of history. And I and, and I went down my own route, which was uh, which was obviously my choice as well, but. Uh, you know what I mean it, it, it was nice because it was nice for them to go down a, a different route it was nice for them to go down a probably a younger route because they, they'd had a lot of um they've had some experienced managers for the for the probably the past five or six years so for them to go down a, a younger um management route which brings in fresh players and new players and a different avenue and I was just so glad that uh it hasn't come kind of got some success in the end and and I thought they did themselves with some 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 proud results, especially staying up last game of the season. I was a proud moment for them both.
0: I was going to say yes, the famous great escape. Um, very interesting yeah. for Whitby fans to know it could have been uh, it could have been a different Cammy uh, alongside uh, yeah. uh, Darren Williams there. Yeah, um, and presumably you do still keep a, an eye on 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 Whitby's results.
1: Oh, always, yeah. You know, I know the be darling yesterday and please you know, listen, I'm, I'm a I'm an old school football fans, you know, I, mean, I love me football. Um I keep in touch with the with the results from as many teams as I can, but certainly all my all my old clubs. Um and that's players. You know, I know obviously Nathan um has them really well. I obviously played with Bully um and uh, and obviously the route that the club's gone down and I'm not too familiar with some of the players because uh they've obviously gone down a, a different route but good luck to them. You know what I mean he's he's I know Nathan's uh worked tirelessly alongside Bully to, to get these kind of players in um and the club's Back them both, so um, I'm hoping they can get some success. And obviously, I know Shane in goal, and um, and I hope for him being being skipper this year that um, uh, they can just get some success and, and push the club to a to a different level if they can. Because I know how difficult it is, Andrew, with uh, with money and, and and obviously with the with the likes of South Shields and and, and Mask spending a lot of money in Heaven and and Spennymoor and, and all the Northern League sides. It's uh, it's difficult for Whitby to uh, to entice players and. And, and to and to get the kind of resources that other teams get so you know what I mean it's just nice to they get a little bit of success um so then they can probably generate a little bit more get some more bums on the seats and, uh, and and probably try to get onto that next level
0: indeed uh, and as you say you went into management at that point you went to to norton and Stockton in the northern league um just tell us about that time and and also uh, what you thought you could bring in there obviously with your your former professional connections and experience <laughs>
1: Um, I took it because I got offered it. Um, I was, as Mick uh, Mick Mulligan offered me the offered me the role, and uh, and once he offered me it, I didn't offer, I didn't accept it straight away. I went home for, um, for the night and, and, and talked it over uh, with my wife and, and stuff, and thought, should I take it? Should I not take it? A couple of days later on, I just thought, you know, what? I've got nothing to lose. Let's just uh, let's just give it a go. I might be really good at it, and if I if I don't if I'm not and I don't like it, um, then somebody else can take over and. Um, and at least I've, I've given it an opportunity and um, I really struggled the first year I'll be honest because I knew all the players the I, some of them were my friends some of them were my ex-teammates and um, and I found that transition really difficult of, uh, of of telling friends and teammates what to do and uh, and some games I played myself and I found that really hard that I was coming in after a game and having a go at the team and some players when I hadn't played as well as I'd have wanted so it was a uh, you know, a, a really difficult situation. So I decided the following season that I wouldn't play. I decided the following season that I would, uh, I would get a fresh, clean slate of uh, of players. And 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 if players wanted to come back, they came back on my terms and came back because I was the manager and what I said goes me, basically. So uh, we had a really successful pre season. We uh, by the end of the season we got promoted. We uh, we won a cup. Uh, it was the most successful season in in Norton's history um, so I was super proud to, uh, to be part of that uh, and uh, and one probably thing that I probably do regret is, is not kicking on and staying the following season I got offered the job at West Auckland uh, the following year and, and, and took it because I saw it as a step up I thought I was uh, I was doing really well I thought I could uh, take some some of the players that I had at Norton and um, and, and make them even better uh, I thought I could take some players from 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 the similar league and uh, and, and keep the club on a little bit. And it just didn't materialise for whatever reason. The grass isn't always greener. That's probably the the advice if uh, if I was telling anybody in a similar situation myself. But do I regret it? No, because it could have been a success. Um, I think I'd probably have taken Norton as far as I could, um, but won him a cup and left him in a in a really good place. Um, obviously, they ended up. Um, dissolving a little bit I think a couple of years later due to finances so I I, I wouldn't have had any regrets as we're leaving now but I think uh, I think for me personally I tried Um, uh, would I get would I come back into it I'm not so sure Um, uh, it depends what level it depends what opportunity it'd have to be it'd have to be interesting for me but it was uh, it was something that I really enjoyed doing and uh, I wouldn't change anything for the world
0: I was going to say, you anticipated my next question as to whether you would you would go back into management, Andy. I know you're doing a lot of media stuff at the moment. Uh, you've got your your, your football podcast. Just tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment and 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 whether you might have been tempted back into into football management in the future.
1: Oh, to answer that question first, listen. If if something came along which which excited me in the right area, in the right league, with the right players, and there was a, a project in front of me which, which excited me, then, listen, I, I, I'd have to give it a go because I, I'm still passionate about what I want to do. I, I'm still majorly involved in football um, through you know, through my podcast and stuff. I watch enough football to, uh, to, to miss it still. You know what I mean? The changing room, the banter, the... Um, the nerves, the excitement, the games—you know—I have been mean, watching a game, game of football, watching me all bit a day, which is great. Uh, but I miss it. I, I'm not—I'm not going I'm to—not going not to hide that. I didn't miss it when COVID was around because it just felt like there was nothing to be excited about. But now the fans are back in a, I miss it even more. My uh, podcast is is being great. Uh, it got me through COVID. It got—I think it got everyone else through it, uh, which is—which is pleasing. Uh, we we do a, a live podcast show with uh, with a live guest uh, on a. On a Monday evening, seven thirty. Uh, I've had some absolutely amazing people on, and it's blown me away. To be, in all honesty, I, I didn't expect it to be half as good as, as what it is. I, I, I didn't expect to have the people I've had, have had on. Um, I, I probably think sometimes I don't give myself credit of of the people I've met within football and my, my, my own journey. And um, and I'm like a super fan when I've had people on. I'm, I'm just sat there with my mouth open, just listening to the stories and thinking. I played with him or, or, or I used to watch him when I was a kid or yeah, it just I, it just blow me away and, uh, and we also run a, a championship show on a Friday just talking pure championship obviously with me being ex-Cardiff and ex Um so the longer those two teams stay in the, in the championship is probably the, the, the duration of that show because if one of them leaves it might be a, might have to change a little bit but no I, I, I love talking about football it gives me a purpose and uh, as I say, sat now, sat here, sat here now, uh, talking to you while watching Barcelona against Juventus. I'm just, a, I'm just a, an absolute, just a, a buff in football. It's just great, love it.
0: That's good. I was going to say your your enthusiasm comes through, Andy. I have to say, um, and yeah, Barcelona, of course, are going to be without the the main man, Lionel Messi, uh, in uh, the season to come. Uh, surely it's it's Paris Saint Germain for him. I don't think anybody else can afford his wages, can they?
1: No, I agree with you, mate. In, in all honesty, I don't think, uh, when it comes to, people, people are having a go at the at, at, at the, at the man about about he should be playing for free. It doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? The people, players earn a ridiculous amount of money too much, but he's got to be paid for what he's, for the services. And when you've got Ronaldo and him fighting for, for being the best player in the world, he needs to be doing it at, at the best level. And if that's Paris Saint-Germain, and he's winning the Champions League because that's that's obviously their dream. Then, so then it. and I think that's the only team for me who, who can afford his wages with the with the amount of money that he's going to be asking for.
0: And quickly, you mentioned Middlesbrough. Uh, how do you feel they're going to get under get on under Neil Warnock this season?
1: Uh, it wasn't great today. And I, I, in all honesty, I was uh, I was I was worried at one nil. Um, I think it should have been two or three. Uh, I think they got quite fortunate with the goal. Uh, they got the goal go at the right time. It uh, really, really shocked, uh, shocked Fulham. Um, I think they need two or three players to come in. I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing the Argentinian boy if he can get himself fit as, as as quick as possible, get him a game in the cup, maybe he's against Blackpool. And, um, but it's, uh, as long as it's all about progress for me, Andrew, and if they can progress better than they did last year, um, it's like getting the playoffs would be an amazing season. But for me, I, I look at that the budget, I look at the Fulham squad today, compared to the Middlesbrough squad, and there's, there's, there's chalk and cheese. You know what I mean? The Middlesbrough should not have been competing today with with Fulham um, on that pitching. They did. They competed with hard work and desire, determination. And uh, and for me, it was because the fans were there. Because uh, they the fans were the were the people who dragged those players through for the rest of that game. Because if there was no fans there, I don't believe Middlesbrough would have got back into it. You know what I mean? Give them an extra 10, 15, 20%. And, um, and once that goal was in, Ah, they could have won it, but for me, a point away from Fulham was an absolutely fantastic result. And um, Neil's passion on the on the in his interview afterwards was fantastic. Uh, I hope they do well. I hope they can they can do they can they can emulate last season, but maybe just go that one step further and get the playoffs. Would be great because the area needs the Premier League back um, and needs us to needs money um, and needs bigger attendances, and uh, hopefully we can get that through this season.
0: And finally, lots of blues fans listening, no doubt. Um, you talked about a, an exciting project in the future. Uh, could you rule out any any chance of being at Whitby Town in the future? Might might that interest you?
1: Oh, listen, I'll never, I'll never say no to anything. I think it's, uh, it's. Uh, say, I know the two people involved at the minute. I've always had a good relationship with people, so you know, I mean, I, I, I never rule anything out. You know, I'm a good friend with Nathan and and obviously, bully used to live with me when we when we played together at Cardiff. So I've got a really good relationship with those two guys. And uh, and if people ever needed help, advice or, or anything, more or less, uh, my phone's always on and uh, my door's always open.
0: Fantastic. Uh, thank you very much to Toby Express, our sponsors on episode three of the coasting County Extra Time podcast. And Andy, thank you very much for your time and, and joining us uh, here pleasure. on the podcast.
1: I've enjoyed it.